Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is August 15th, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my man? Oh, not too bad. Um, I, uh, I, I, a programming note for everyone, and I don't believe I've even told you yet. Um, I, uh, I will not be here for the next two shows uh, because I, my wife and I are going away on holiday for, uh, for nine days, and that's going to go right across two Sundays. So I won't be around to do the next two shows. All right, so you'll be stuck with me, Canada. And apologies that we did not get a show out yesterday, and I'm happy to explain why. Uh, Like many Canadians, I've taken on a second job to help deal with inflation. And one of those times when whatever can go wrong will go wrong, so I wasn't able to to get our show in our usual Sunday morning slot, and Lewis had things to do, so wasn't able to wait for me to try to reschedule it for sometime later in the day so (laughs) here we are now yep all right canada we've got so much to talk about on the show today bankruptcies are up snowbirds are down digital id is on its way the cbc not woke enough more firearms troubles the emergencies act inquiry and more where do you want to start, sir? <laughs> That's a long list. And uh, <laughs> and I know that there's a couple of items there that, that weren't even, that you didn't even put in there that hopefully we'll get to, but I doubt it after listening to what we're going to talk about. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's start with the CBC. Okay. So the CBC is, well, we know they're the propaganda arm for the Liberal Party of Canada. We know that they are the most diverse, inclusive, and woke network on Canadian TV, but the Canadian Radio and Telecommunications Commission, the CRTC, has decided CBC is not woke enough. Lewis, can you imagine that? No, no, I really can't. And and I and and to for the life of me, I can't figure out how the how why the CRTC even has uh, a mandate. To decide what the CBC uh, shows on their programming. Well, I wondered that too, and I wonder if maybe it's because they're the public broadcaster. But the CRTC has decided that the CBC must dedicate thirty percent of its English language programming to promoting racialized voices, disabled voices, and language minorities. Wow. Wow is right. I, uh, I, I, I'm stunned. I thought, okay, so they've already got CBC French, and CBC French allegedly is being left alone by this mandate. But on the English language CBC, ah, yes, 30% of their already unwatched and unwatchable programming now needs to be dedicated to, well, racialized, disabled, and language minorities. Well, well I don't I guess even know where yeah, I guess that means that they won't be getting any commercial revenue at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, 
they already get very little revenue from from t- from ads because nobody watches the CBC. And um, what always what always fascinates me is how when people call for the for for the you know the defunding of CBC, um, such as you and I and Pierre Polyev, um, we. Uh, all of a sudden, all these people come out of the woodwork going, no, CBC is too valuable. CBC is so valuable to our country. And yet none of them watch it. <laughs> true. Yep. Absolutely true. Now, um, and CBC has expanded their own mandate over the years, too. Like, I mean, they got into digital streaming and then now they've got you know, their satellite music service, and then they've got their own, the CBC Listen app, which is a, you know, music and podcast service. So they've, they've really kind of gone beyond, I think, whatever they were intended to be in the first place. And, well, this just makes them that much more irrelevant. Now, I don't mean to sound racist or ableist or I'm not sure what it would be about if I, against language minorities, but at any rate, it's this kind of programming... I don't know if it's going to be on CBC, then maybe CBC needs to pursue a different funding model because it's, it's not up to us, the taxpayer to be creating specialized programming for different segments of society. I mean, if we're going to have racialized voices and disabled voices, well, how long until the two S LGBT LMNOP plus pound group decides they have to have their voices heard and, on and on and on. Well, I, the thing that the thing that gets me is, is that the CBC. I mean, nobody. I don't know a single person that actually has CBC Listen. I don't know a single person that watches CBC Gem. I don't. I don't think I even know anybody who watches. Uh, cbc news channel um it's nobody watches it like nobody and and it's i saw an ad on uh cbc a little while ago when i was watching um i'm trying to remember which one it was uh yeah, I don't remember. Question period, I think. And uh, it was an ad on there for CBC, uh, for a CBC show for black music. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but there, I mean, there's, is there such thing as black music and white music and you know is there well i i want to say yes i i know that i mean this goes back decades but when elvis presley was first became famous i remember sam phillips had said he sings black music but he's a white man and i didn't really get it and i uh I think where they were driving at was that it had more of a blues feel. Although today, I think if you were going to talk about black music, they probably mean like hip hop. But yeah, no, I I get that. But I mean, there's a lot of white 
rappers and oh, white yeah. hip hop artists and all of that now. So yeah, no, I get I get where you're going with that. Like I I I I totally agree with you that there should not be yeah, music should not be racialized. Yeah, I mean, because it's like you, because I mean, somebody might say, "Oh, yeah, like heavy metal is white music, or you know, white music," but it's not because I I do know of black heavy metal artists. I know of you know Asian heavy metal artists, and uh, uh, hell, even one of my favorite bands. The lead singer is half Indian, half white, like, like Indian, Indian, you yeah. know, not, not native Indian, but Indian, Indian. And, uh, so, I mean, it's like, I, I, do, I hate these, you know, labels that they, that they put on music or on, you know, sports and stuff like that saying that, you know, like white or hockey is a white sport and all this. And it's, 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 you know, the only people saying stuff like that are the people that are obsessed with race. You are absolutely right. And you actually made me think of something while you were talking about different uh, bands and music, whatnot. My music re- recommendation, The Warning. There are, it is three young Mexican ladies from Monterey. And speaking of heavy metal, they play a re- really hard rock. They are absolutely amazing. The warning is what the, the band is called. It's just three three ladies and it's a three lady band. And yeah, speaking of good hard rock and music, wow. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're good. But anyway, yeah. back to our topic at hand with the CBC. Um, this isn't directly a CBC thing, but the woke crowd are obviously getting to the CRTC and Sir John A. McDonald. Now we did an episode a couple of years ago to how or a year ago or so that's how john a mcdonald can't, can't get a break well he can't even get his statue put up at his grave site because that apparently will trigger somebody and is going to hurt somebody's feelings go to hell exactly go to hell I'm, and i'm sick i'm sick of this bs i mean it, it, the guy he was the first prime minister of our country he was he was integral in creating our country. Yeah, he was I mean, a visionary. To he, ha- of course, he has his faults. Everybody has their faults, and if and and you have to put those faults in the context of the time that he lived in. Well, exactly I mean, right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up because the next gentleman on the cancellation list, Alexander Graham Bell. Now, Canada, why do you, do you know that name? Yeah, well, because he's the creator of the telephone. Now, he invented the telephone and... Here's a fun historical fact, Canada. In case you don't know, he invented the telephone because his wife was hard of hearing. His mother, sorry, was hard of hearing. And he invented the telephone as an amplification device so that she could hear better. Well, now, because Mr. Graham Bell 
suggested that deaf and hard of hearing people should be integrated into mainstream society. Oh, he is on the block. How dare he be so ableist? Wait, what? Yep. Alexander Graham Bell needs to be canceled because he dared to suggest that deaf and hard of hearing people back 150 years ago should be integrated into mainstream society and therefore not be special. How dare he say that when his mother and I believe it was one of his children were hard of hearing and he actually invented a telephone to help them. Okay, wait. So for suggesting that deaf and hard of hearing people are no better or no worse then people who can hear, he needs to be canceled? He needs to be canceled. How dare he not suggest some small segment of society is special? See, 10 years ago, that, that would have been, you know, wow, how progressive of him. <laughs> right. He was being inclusive. He was. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even know what to say about this one. I mean, like, the guy, the guy, there, that, there is nothing controversial about that. Not a thing. Nothing. Not a thing. And he created the telephone, and he did it in Canada. I mean, he, yeah, he was, he was a Scottish immigrant to Canada. Yeah. And he created the telephone in Canada. And he yep. dared to suggest that deaf people should be part of society. What? Yep. What a bastard. Horrible of him. But don't worry, oh Canada. The city of Vancouver has your back. Because oh, the God. city of Vancouver under the and there's more category the city of Vancouver has now decided that any new lifeguards they hire for public pools must be dedicated to decolonization because so, nothing's more oppressive than a swimming pool after all. So what, what does that mean? That they let the white people drown? <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't understand how a commitment to decolonization makes someone a better lifeguard. I uh, and what's I, and what is decolonization? You know that this is something that I don't understand. What is decolonization? Well, in BC, you should know that because you your premier canceled that museum project that was dedicated to decolonization. Yeah, no, I know, but what it, what exactly is the end goal of this decolonization? Like, is it is the end goal to have everybody who's not indigenous move out of the province? Well, I wonder or if that's of... it, or, or if it's just making everything so bloody milk toast that nobody has anything to complain about anymore. I mean, I I just don't understand what this decolonization. Um, movement actually means like what does it actually mean what is the end goal of it I mean it doesn't make any sense to me I mean it, because 
and this is something I've mentioned on the show before. It's like the thing that the thing that confuses me the most is that the people that are espousing this notion of decolonization are the same people who want open borders and to bring everybody to everybody here and that anybody who wants to come should be allowed to come. But when the Europeans did it, that was bad. Yep, exactly right. Yeah, like I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, I'm, I'm reminded now again of uh, Thomas Sowell, the uh, the great, great economist, brilliant philosophical mind that he is, and he said that when arguing with leftists, they never ask the question, and then what? So yeah, let's get a decolonializing lifeguard, okay? And then what? Does the next lifeguard have to be a person of color okay sure we'll hire one well and then what i mean they they i think you're you hit it on the head they don't have an end game because they don't know what the hell they're doing Um, but i mean but but like i really want to know what the hell that even means like why is it important that your that your lifeguards believe in decolonization i mean because i really i'm 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 asking a serious question here like does that mean that they're going to let white people drown because that would decolonize Vancouver if they did that. Well, maybe. maybe. I mean, that's a, that's actually a really good question because I don't have an answer for that that either. Like that's uh... no, and you shouldn't have an answer because because yeah. <laughs> because it's 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 insanity. It's Bloody it's ridiculous. It, yep. it is complete insanity. I don't understand. Nope. So, uh, all right. Let's move on to something else that I don't understand, and that is Canada's snowbirds. Now, we've referred to the snowbirds before. Everybody knows the snowbirds because they've been flying around in the same Tudor jets since 1963. I had to look that up. And these jets from 1963 have now been grounded after one was forced to do a crash landing in a field outside of Fort St. John, B.C., and... The reason I want to bring the snowbirds up is because, well, A, it's embarrassing that they're they're driving around or flying in 60-year-old jets. B, it's, it's even equally embarrassing that Prime Minister Harper actually put a plan in place to replace the snowbirds in 2012, which would have cost all of $775 million. And, well we would have seen the first replacement jet for the snowbirds in 2020. But unfortunately something happened at the end of 2015, which inevitably led to the project being canceled. Hmm. I wonder what happened at the end of 2015 that would have led to anything Harper did being canceled. Ah, God, what was it? Um, Could it have been Justin Trudeau? the most catastrophic event in Canadian history, the election of Justin Trudeau. You're absolutely right. Wow. I mean, because yep. I, I he, what is it with liberals in canceling um, aircraft orders? Yeah, or military procurement in general. Like, it's... Uh, yeah. I mean... It's uh, absolutely Jean, embarrassing. Jean, yeah, Jean Chrétien did it with the uh, helicopters, yep. which resulted in a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, crashes and a few deaths. Um, and that 
if, if you don't believe me, you can go back and, and actually look it up. After he canceled those helicopters, there were several crashes and several deaths. Um, you know how put it was that uh, I believe one journalist even said sea kings are just falling out of the air. And they were. And they were. They were. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then Justin Trudeau cancels the F-35 only to buy the F-35 and uh, at a much, much higher price and um, and, and a six year delay. And he canceled the uh, replacement of the of the Snowbirds, which I mean, God. Well, and we've had one death from that already, and that was in in BC last year. Now I realized that the the uh, a small bird hit the engine, but the lady who was killed, her ejection seat failed. Yeah, that was that exactly. Yeah, I mean, so, it, uh, yes, it, it was a bird strike, but the ejection seat didn't work, and yeah. and that's. I mean, if you think about it, these planes have been in use continuously for 59 years. Yeah. Yep. I mean, these planes are old enough that no Canadian Forces pilot is, is, is as old as these planes. Yeah. So it's uh, and you know the blood's on your hands, Mr. Trudeau, and I'm I'm embarrassed. I mean, Stephen Harper actually even had sought out more affordable options, such as repurposing some CF-18s for the Snowbirds, and then realized that the fuel costs alone made it uh, not feasible. And of course, Justin Trudeau, no, no, let's just uh, push their life and and press them on to t- service until 2030, which was embarrassing. These planes would have been 70 plus years old by the time Trudeau replaced even one of them. Like it's, yeah. uh, and I don't know what they're going to do now. I mean, now they're grounded indefinitely. Yeah. And, and right. it's a shame. And it's a shame because the, the snowbirds are, are, they're known around the world. Yeah. World renowned. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. So from one government embarrassment to the next bankruptcies are up. Now you had sent me a, an article well, earlier last week, and telling it said that uh, bankruptcies in Toronto alone were up twenty two percent in just three months. That's right. Yeah, and uh, and I can't imagine that it's a whole lot different in Canada's other large cities like Vancouver, uh, you know, Montreal, Ottawa, uh, Calgary, Edmonton. Uh, I mean, those are all. The big cities have much uh, higher um, bankruptcy rates than the rest of the country just because of the cost of living in those cities, right? Um, so, I mean, you see Toronto and you see Montreal, like, t- the, or sorry, Vancouver, the two, the two most expensive cities in the country to live in. And Toronto's bankruptcy rate is up 22% in three months. I mean, this, this is something we warned everybody about yep that's right now nationwide the numbers are 16 percent year over year or sorry 11 percent year over year nationwide 16 percent year over year in in ontario and i mean housing is a big factor which is why you'll see toronto and vancouver in much worse shape but even at the beginning of the year we had said to watch out for it because as interest rates are going up and yes they're still a bargain at 
2.5%, but that 2.5% is tenfold where we started the year at. And on a mortgage of, say, a million two, which is the average house price in Vancouver, well, that extra you know few percentage points is suddenly now a thousand bucks a month. That's right. And it, it, you know, it's something that I, I noticed hey, is how you and I knew this was coming. You and you and I warned our listeners of this. We've been warning our listeners of this for two years that this was going to happen. And yeah. And the, the, the experts didn't see it coming. The Bank of Canada didn't see it coming. Our governments didn't see it coming. But we did. Yeah. And, I mean, you said it you know, very plainly before. How is it that two dumbasses from rural Canada are able to see the trends and see the signs and figure out what's coming when all of these high paid experts got it so wrong. Yeah. It, it just blows my mind. Yeah, it is sad. So, uh, well, speaking of blowing your mind, you just mentioned before we started the show that, uh, well, our firearms industry is getting yet another kick in the teeth. Yeah. Um, the portal that dealers use well, and, and people like for, for private sales that you they use to um, get the transfer approvals because now you can't sell a firearm without getting a transfer approval in this country. Um, the portal, the government portal to, to get those uh, transfer approvals uh, has been down for at least four days now. Um, it has been down on and off for several weeks. Um, and, uh, and right now it's, we're on, I think day four or day five of it being down. And, uh, and, and I honestly, I don't, I don't think this is a mistake. Well, it certainly seems convenient given the, uh, the latest order in council from, uh, from the government, doesn't it? It does. I, I mean, they they've ordered for, uh, you know, they're they're not going to approve any import applications for uh, like any import import permits for handguns anymore. Um, even though, you know, the legislation that was going to ban the import of of uh, handguns has not passed. Has not been even debated, and. Um, and, and yet they've decided that they're not going to approve any of the of the permits at all until that law is passed. So, I mean, it, this is we're, we're living in a pretty scary time. I mean, we really are. I mean, they can do this kind of stuff. And there's and because of our Constitution, our Constitution is not like the American Constitution. The American Constitution really spells out exactly what the government is not is and is not allowed to do. Um, and Canada's is, it says you're not allowed to do these, or like the government is not allowed to infringe on certain rights, but you know, there it's, it is acceptable to infringe on those rights in special cases or in acceptable cases or something like this is, is, is what's in there. And 
so you know you you look at the american constitution and that is guaranteed no matter what ours it's guaranteed uh, unless it unless it's not convenient until it's not yeah i mean in section one of the charter it spells it right out when it says yeah they can be limited when it's demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society and as we said when the whole COVID thing started well who decides if it's demonstrably justified and unfortunately the government just says oh yeah that's us well that doesn't sound right no exactly so uh well uh speaking of government doing what's not right um something else we had warned about a couple of years ago actually when the very first COVID tracing app came out which by the way did track canadians movements and more um the digital id is now an an idea being floated around by mr justin trudeau and it was also discussed that the arrive can app would be a good first step to implementing a digital id yeah do you hate being right lewis about stuff like this absolutely i i mean the whole digital id is one step closer to what china has which is the uh, social credit score system um, which is something else that we've been warning canada about uh for probably closer to a year or more um it's uh in, in china because they've done away with physical currency and it's now a digital, a centralized digital currency, plus they have digital IDs. Uh, they, they now, if, if you're not a friend of the government, like if, if, you're, if you've said critical things about the government, they now can control where and when you're able to even spend your money. So they can, they can keep you from actually traveling just by making your debit card not function outside of the town that you live in. Yep, that's absolutely right. And then uh, I sent you an article that I had found, and I have to give credit to the, uh, the real Andy Lee show. She's a, a show that I follow on Twitter. And she posted this article that the government of Canada, and this was in 2018, had made a deal with... with uh, Alibaba, which is a, a company in China. Well, I'm sure a lot of people know, know Alibaba anyway. But they also own a company called Jima, which is a credit agency. And the Jima credit agency is actually authorized to print out the reports for visa applications for Chinese travelers. And, well, what do you know? Uh, the Jima reports tie right into the Chinese social credit scores. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. This, and, and, and I mean, this is, and, and then you have what back in 2018 or 2019, I believe. And we talked about it on the show that uh, the bank of Canada or no, sorry, Canada revenue agency, the CRA, had give, made a proposal to the government to do away with physical currency and to, and to institute a centralized digital currency. Uh, that's, that was, that was uh, well, I think it was around 2019. I think it was around 2019 when, when that proposal was made by the CRA. So, I mean, like, this is all stuff that 
you know, we've been warning our listeners about for a long time. And, and I hate, I hate it when I'm right about stuff like this because it, it's, it's stuff that's making our lives worse. Yeah. Well, and we already got a teaser of exactly how bad the digital ID can be when Krista Freeland, we all remember that smug little smirk when she told those demon truckers in February that we are now freezing your bank accounts, canceling your insurance and we will be seizing your trucks. And, and what do you know? The banks just willfully and happily complied. So uh, that's where we're headed. If we decide to let the digital ID go ahead, Canada. Yeah. And, and, and since you brought that up, why don't we talk about the, uh, the emergencies act and what we've learned about that these past uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. Great idea. The, uh, so now we've got, two sort of parallel investigations going on into the invocation of the emergencies act. Now there is a legal action being taken in court uh, by the Canadian constitutional federation. And there's also, I think the uh, justice center for constitutional freedoms is launching one as well. And now there's also the committee that's studying the emergencies act invocation. And the committee was, was only supposed to study the convoy itself and not the government's reaction Thank, thank you again, Judge Rouleau, for saying, um, no, we actually want to find out what the government had going on. Well, uh, to me, it's a bombshell. And this was actually referenced in Andrew Lawton's book, uh, The Freedom Convoy, the inside story of three weeks that shook the world. I still recommend you get that at your local bookstore if you can. Um, anyway, the night before the Emergencies Act was invoked by Justin Trudeau, his public safety secretary had actually said that there's the possibility of a breakthrough. And she pointed out the RCMP have taken down the, the barricade at Coots. The police have taken down the barricades in Windsor over the, the, the previous weekend. And she said there's actually the city of Ottawa is negotiating with the Freedom Convoy organizers to move the trucks out of the residential areas and onto Wellington Street. So the Emergencies Act... It might not be necessary was essentially her words. What did Justin Trudeau do with that information, Lewis? Completely ignored it. 100% and said, and I think the way Andrew Lawton put it was, he said he, he saw his window was closing, so he invoked, invoked the Emergencies Act. Completely yeah, and, that's pro- and that's probably a very accurate assessment is that he saw his window of opportunity to use the emergencies act. Uh, he saw, he saw that window closing. Um, I think that Justin Trudeau wanted to use the emergencies act for quite a while before he actually did use it. Um, because the, the thing about Justin Trudeau is that he hates dissent like he hates dissent so much that he will resort to uh, tyrannical dictatorship style actions to deal with them. He's just because... a chip off the old block like his father, Fidel Castro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. I mean, it's it's like no wonder he he you know he uh, he was in such reverence of of Fidel Castro. You know, remember he wrote that 
that statement about oh, Fidel Castro and what a great man he was. Oh yeah, I remember that so well because we mocked that so heavily. Yeah, I mean, there, there's he uh, he wanted to punish the truckers and anybody who supported the truckers. He wanted to punish them. Yeah, absolutely and, right. And he was and he was seeing that the window of opportunity to punish them was closing. So he invoked the Emergencies Act and. He punished them. I mean, he punished them hard. I mean, there's still there are still bank accounts that are frozen. You know, I just heard that recently, and that's uh, uh shameful. Six months have already gone by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, um, now here's something else that you were right about again, and we just brought this up either in our last show or the show before that. That the committee and uh, actually beginning with the the legal action through the CCF that cabinet documents pertaining to the emergencies act invocation were being ordered to be released to the inquiry. And I remember when I said that on the show, your immediate response was, well, yeah, big deal. They're going to be heavily redacted. And we learned that this week, those documents were Lewis heavily redacted. Dun, 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 dun. They most certainly were. And, yeah. um, I believe it was Christine Van Gein, who's with the CCF, had said that, yeah, as soon as you see any kind of information that was pertinent, the next paragraph would be completely blacked out. Now, I did not know this, but apparently it is Justin Trudeau himself who chooses what is and what is not to be redacted. Big surprise. Well, yeah, but isn't this something that if, you know, that when the Conservatives win uh, uh, the next, like, I don't know, if it's the next election or the one after, if the, if the Conservatives win an election, do they not have access to the original documents once they're in power? I wonder if they would. I mean, it's, uh... yeah, I really don't know. I mean... It's not wouldn't technically be their their cabinet, but I mean I think cabinet documents would still be government property. I mean that's a really yeah. good question. I don't have I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, I wonder because I mean this is it's crazy how uh government can just cover up their own actions by you know blocking out lines or words or or entire pages of documents. Like I, it, to me, that's, I just find that unbelievable. Like the, I don't think that the PMO should have any say whatsoever in what gets redacted. I, I think that it should be an independent body, um, like a privacy commissioner or something like that. And, and, and I mean, there's a few things that I think like a few positions I don't think should be, should be appointed by the government. I, I think that they should be appointed by uh, maybe by uh, uh, the opposition or something like that, where like a privacy commissioner or the, you know, uh, uh, positions like that, that, that it really, really matters if it, what, what, what gets redacted. Like, I think that, that, you know, the, the privacy commissioner should be the one who looks at it and goes, nope, this needs to stay uh, private because this can't, this, this, you know, or this has nothing to do with what needs to be released or whatever. 
um, it should be an independent body that decides what does and does not get redacted. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. And I know that they tend to say, oh, national security. Well, again, that's not something that should be for them to decide. Now, I don't know if uh, if a judge can order documents to be redacted or not. Like, I uh, I, I hope that that's a power they would have if, if, if indeed they, they do. But it's just, it's, well, it's yet one more, uh, you know, example of our government just being tyrannical and thumbing their nose at Canadians that they can just do whatever the hell they want. I mean, that's, uh, if you dovetail this with the RCMP who are apparently have the technology to spy on all of your cell phones, but don't worry, they've only done it 49 times or thereabouts and just trust them. They, they only do it when they need to, but they can actually turn on your camera or your microphone on your cell phone without you knowing about it. And yeah, apparently that's okay too. Yeah. And they don't need a warrant and they don't need a warrant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But don't worry. If you have nothing to hide, you shouldn't be concerned. Right. So why can't that apply to, well, redacted documents from the Trudeau government, for example? Yeah. Because <laughs> they have everything to hide. That's why. Yeah. Exactly. And, what, and what's sad is, I mean, obviously we don't know what is in those cabinet documents, but what we do know is that the Emergencies Act, well, it, it just stinks to high, to, to high heavens. Marco Mendicino, who I have zero use for anymore, insisted that, oh, no, it was it was you know recommended by law enforcement. And then uh, I, I'm so thankful for Roy Green. He, on his show this past weekend, he played over and over again Justin Trudeau's clip from the House of Commons when he had said this was only on the recommendation of law enforcement. And then uh, after playing the clip once, Roy Green had, had said, I've said this for years. Don't ever say something that that you don't want me to play ten years from now. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, then that's that's the thing, right? Like when they say, "Oh, yeah," like uh, law enforcement requested it, uh, and then you find out that law enforcement never requested it. No level of law enforcement asked for the Emergencies Act. It was. It was actually forced upon them by the PMO. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was forced upon them. I mean, and as we pointed out just a little bit earlier, there was, you know, a peaceful solution was already presenting itself. So Justin Trudeau pulled the trigger as quickly as he could. Yeah, had to punish them. Had yep. to hurt them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, huh, we did it, Lewis. We got everything in and we are right on time. <laughs> right on well i like i said i will not be here for the next two episodes uh so have uh have fun listening to tony rant away for uh for 45 minutes if, if next week and the week after um <laughs> i uh i'm going on a much needed vacation with my wife for our anniversary so uh we're and we're keeping it in Canada. We're going to the Maritimes. We've never been there before. I am jealous as hell because I haven't either, and I want to get there. So I cannot wait to uh, to hear how your holiday was, and I can't wait to to look at all your pictures. So, 
Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna be landing in Halifax and then uh, going to Lunenburg, um, and uh, then we're going up to PEI, and uh, we're gonna spend four days in PEI, and uh, and then we're uh, gonna go back to Halifax, spend a couple of more days in Halifax, and then fly home. So it uh, it should be fun. We're gonna be eating a lot of seafood, and uh, I'm gonna do my part for overfishing. And, um, <laughs> and, and, uh, we'll be back recharged, refreshed and probably angry as hell about something. So <laughs> excellent. Well, and I, I think you'll be able to get a different perspective on the country from the other end too. So it'll be, uh, I can't wait to talk to you when you get back and I'm sure that our audience feels the same way. So, uh, have a great holiday. Happy anniversary to both of you. And thank you, Canada, for joining us. And uh, I will talk to you next week. And until then, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. and Tony.